Yo, 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 Thought Warriors, what is up? Higher Learning is on. It is I, Van Lathan Jr. And it's me, Rachel Lynn Lindsay. Uh, no pleasantries today because we live in a war zone. We got to get right to it. Um, Uvalde, Texas. Gunman kills 19 children, two adults at a school. Um, will not mention the name of the gun, the gunman in this situation. Uh, it was killed by a Border Patrol agent about 40 minutes after the attack began. Um, happened at Rob Elementary School. Uh, are you familiar with this town, Rach? Uh, yeah, I've heard of Uvalde. I've never been. Uvalde. Um, this uh, shooter purchased two AR-15 rifles, AR platform rifles, should I say, at a local federal firearms licensee on May 17th. And on May 20th, uh, and then 375 rounds of ammunition on May 18th. Uh, he shot his grandmother in the face home. I'm sure you guys have all heard this. Trigger warning. This is very grisly stuff. Um, she was airlifted to the hospital. Well, miraculously, she survived and is now in stable condition. She was in critical condition for a while, but she's now in stable condition. From there, he crashed his vehicle into a ditch near the elementary school and emerged with a rifle and a backpack. He was wearing a tactical vest that held extra ammunition so he could switch it up a little bit. Um, moved to the school, entered through a black door, where it's now unclear. At first, it was said that a school resource officer engaged with him. There was a shootout, and that officer was injured. The Texas Rangers have come back, and they have said that did not happen, that he entered unabated to the back door, where he uh, barricaded himself into a classroom, um, and an adjoining classroom, and killed 19 kids and two teachers. Um Rachel. I have no reaction. And I don't have a reaction because I'm not insensitive. I'm very sensitive to what happened. But I don't have a reaction because just last week we were podcasting on what happened in Buffalo. And I actually received a lot of criticism for saying, fuck you being sad because I'm over it. Yeah. But after this shooting, that coupling, the coupling that, excuse me, coupling the fact that 10 people were murdered for being black in a grocery store, that now you have 19 children and two adults that were murdered in a school. You have people expressing that same sentiment. I don't want to hear your thoughts and prayers. People don't want to hear that you're being sad. They want action. And that's Maybe what I didn't do the best job saying last week, but that is my reaction. That is how I feel. I don't want to get into my emotion. I, I don't want, like, we're all sad. We're all devastated. We're angry. We're frustrated. It's all the words, whatever you want to throw on it, we're there. It's time to talk now about prevention and the lack thereof. It really is. That's my reaction to it all. I don't want to get into it. I don't want to be emotional. What are, what are as in crying? What answers do you have? Well, I don't know if I necessarily have the answers, which we talked about last week. Sure. But I feel like I'm learning more about what's not being done and different things that could be because I think the easy thing to do is to point fingers, and I'm guilty of it, of saying, "Hey, 
you're affiliated with this party and your party gets money from this or your party believes in this. And so therefore you're stopping things from getting done. It's easy to say, Hey, the sit people are voting along their party lines and their things aren't getting passed in the Senate. Hey, we need the filibuster. Hey, but now I'm learning that there could there could be more things that are done by their current administration. There are powers that they have to at least show that they're serious and taking movement, make a taking a stance on gun control in this country. I'm frustrated that I'm a, I am born and raised Texas. I am Texas proud. And I have said multiple times on this podcast that I'm disgusted by what that demon in office is continuing to do in the state of Texas outside of gun control. And it was very frustrating to watch his press conference and for him to talk about, to, to be so strong and pounding his fist on that table and talking about how upset he is with the families, yet he has done multiple things both against gun control and mental health in our state that have could prevent things like this happen. A lot of people don't talk about 2018 anymore and that Santa Fe school shooting where there were 10 people, I believe, that died, eight students, two teachers, please correct me if I'm wrong. And there were some things that were done as, as far as schooling and for security measures, but there was nothing, no follow-up to see if the school districts actually put that in place. And if you look at the statistics, schools have not been implementing those things. Nobody's regulating that. So it's just, I'm, I, I know that there are things that people in power can do. And I know that there are things that we can do as far as using our voices and our vote to vote people who currently have the power and aren't doing something to get them out of there. So I don't even know if I answered your question. I'm just like all over the place right now because I'm just, I'm learning more and more. And the more I keep digging into it, the more I'm realizing people just aren't doing anything but saying words. And that's on both sides. Yeah. So let's hear from Governor Abbott right now. Um, as uh, yesterday or the day before, a couple of days yesterday. ago, the time this, this puts up, where he talked about uh, how the gun laws in Chicago, um, how they job with the gun laws in Texas, and how, you know, just play the fucking clip. This guy's a fucking idiot. Go ahead. Let's talk about some real facts. And, and that is, there are, quote, real gun laws in Chicago. There are, quote, real gun laws in New York. There are real gun laws in California. I hate to say this, but there are more people who were shot every weekend in Chicago than there are in schools in Texas. I'm about to say something slightly controversial. All right. Number one, the situation in Chicago uh, and in many of these places, it's 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 not the same. Um, it's not the same. Even when you talk about Chicago, 60 percent of the guns and you know, there are gun trace statistics out there that you guys can go look up for yourselves. Um, we're going to talk a little bit later on with Igor Volsky and hopefully you know, from Guns Down America and hopefully he'll be able to give you guys a couple of more facts and figures on these things. But 60% of the guns that are used in Chicago crimes are bought in places that have more lenient gun laws. It's a fact. Um, and I'm going to say something and I want people not to misconstrue what it is that I'm saying. Okay. 
because this has to do with an economic situation, has to do with an economic reality. Uh, and I'm not judging the soul of people because I come from a place that's the second deadliest place in America right now. When you're talking about gun violence that exists in our communities, I want to say something here, and that's we're talking about criminal activity a lot of the time. We're talking about we're talking about things that happen when people who are in a deprived situation make decisions that are adverse to their long term survival. We're talking about sometimes gang related violence. This is not in any way me giving you conservative talking points on what's going on in the black community. The socioeconomic situations that exist in those communities are making people do things uh, while living in a survival matrix. To compare that, right, which those problems are more socioeconomic than they are about the guns to rampage killings that happen to children is insane. And understand what I'm saying. Me personally, the gun violence that I would like to see addressed is the gun violence that exists in my community. And the way you address that that gun violence is not even by addressing the guns themselves. You address it by addressing the circumstances of life that exists there, right? Um, and that's a huge, wide, sweeping situation. But in this situation right here, when you're talking about 19 children who got their heads blown off uh, while they were in their, their elementary school, to compare it to places that are dealing with things that are generational and deal with white supremacy that's gone all the way back to the Great Migration uh, and to even before then, um, it's nuts. And it's a red herring and it's a really uh -huh. demonic straw man. Once again, there are people in every single community that he just named that are working on the violence issues. Inglewood Barbie's working on a violence issue up in Chicago. You know what I mean? Um, you have people in Los Angeles, some even ex-gang members like Eugene Henley, mm -hmm. Big U, who are working on the, the violence issues there and trying to make sure that people make the right decisions with their lives, right? Um, but as long as they're in a situation where they feel like it's kill or be killed, they're going to choose to either kill or be killed. That's a very multi-layered situation. So for Governor Abbott to come up and be like, you know, niggas shoot each other every day. That's um, exactly what places, he said. We, places we could, it's, just, it's just a weird thing to say after we're Is talking it? about, to, well, I mean, to me. It, to, no, no, no. It's not that it's weird to me. It, it was right on par. Yeah, sure. Because what I have seen him do is deflect when it comes to approaching the real issue, right? People mm -hmm. are pointing fingers at you. You bragged about the fact that you loosened the gun laws in Texas. Right. You bragged about that. The hypocrisy for me, and, and this, is a, this is a big thing with Republicans, is that you're sitting there on that stage and you're talking about all the things that you have done since the Santa Fe shooting at the scene of another shooting. So how can you brag about the prevention when you're literally back in the same place that you were. So obviously this, the, what you're doing is not working. Cut the shit. Like that's it. So to me, for him to say that about Chicago, I actually chuckled because I'm like, of course, that's what you're doing. Yeah. Of course. It, it makes no sense. It's not the same comparison as you uh, pointed out. So it, he doesn't care if it works. Um, Correct. So, so there's a movie called this, a civil action. It's one of my favorite movies, right? 
No, and I haven't seen it. Just of keep course going. you haven't. <laughs> of course you going. haven't seen the civil action. <laughs> I just didn't want you to I ask. You I just wanted you to it. keep going. <laughs> John Travolta, Robert Duvall. I know you haven't seen it. And the reason why the movie is so interesting to me, um, it's a true story about a lawyer named Jan. I can't remember his last name now, who uh, was a very thriving Cornell lawyer. And he ends up taking the case of uh, a town in Massachusetts, somewhere in New England, if I remember correctly, that uh, was bringing a class action suit against uh, a, a huge food conglomerate because they were dumping toxic waste into the lake in their town. Children were drinking that, people were drinking that, and they were getting cancer. Sort of like an Aaron Brockovich situation. There was a whole little run there of environmental action movies that happened. It's a great little era. Um, but this one, and the guy goes broke. The guy, uh, the guy, um, he leverages almost all because he will not leave this case alone because he's been affected by the people, the the children that he's had to watch go through cancer. Um, the parents that he's had to talk to that have lost their children, the, some of the parents who've died of cancer, right? He's been affected by it, so he won't leave it alone. Becomes a crusader, much like Aaron Brockovich. Um, and the reason why I love the movie so much is because the movie deals with diagnosis dysfunction. Hmm. And a diagnosis dysfunction to me is when Agendas stop people from agreeing on what the actual problem is. Mm-hmm. So in this particular movie, the people that are <laughs> the people that represent the company that is poisoning, I think the name of the time was Woburn or whatever it was, the people that represent them, they have to know deep in their heart that they're poisoning these people. Mm-hmm. They have to know that. They have to know that they're poisoning these people. It's obvious that there's something specifically wrong here. Mm-hmm. All right. But they can't allow that diagnosis to come to the table because then they got to fix it. And fixing it means that their bottom line changes. So the question, the central question of the movie is, is when do people start mattering and, and money stops to matter, stops mm-hmm. mattering? In this situation, it's fairly the same. What we have here is as an American society, as a community, if that's what we really are, because community has a couple of definitions that I don't think America America or any very specific neighborhoods or even communities in America can can adhere to anymore. Uh, What we're being asked to do is just, and I'm being honest, The two-way community, the pro-gun community, is essentially asking us to be okay every so often with 19, 20 people getting killed in a supermarket or at a school. Or to be okay with, with, uh, with gun violence all over America on an everyday basis. They're just saying this is part of American culture. And the reason why they're asking us to, the reason why I say that is because Everything that governor, everything in, as far as Uvalde is concerned, it's like there was, there's a school police force there. There were things that they did 
I guess too hard in elementary school. And I want people to understand this as I drone on and ramble. Uh, I'm trying to collect my emotions. An elementary school is never going to be the fucking Pentagon. Right. You're never going to have a situation where an elementary school, I was just in one when we were doing hip hop homicides. As soon as you walk into an elementary school and you see funny characters on the wall and you see like dragons, hey, do your homework and you get a you get an extra star sticker. And as soon as you're in a, a, a library and you see like those little plastic containers where the children put their books after they're done with them, you see maps of Louisiana up on the wall. There's this feeling of ease and of freedom and of imagination, all of those things preclude those people from walking around like it's DEFCON 5 every fucking day. They're, they're in a place where they're supposed to be safe. Yeah. They're, in, they're in a place where they're inherently supposed to be safe. They're supposed to be safe. So we want to go to recess. Like, like it's, it's at cross purposes with what it is. We can do more. But we're never going to have a situation to where you're doing a fucking retinal scan to get into Miss Grantinetti's first grade class. Mm-hmm. So the question is, being that these things are on the rise and being that they're a part of our culture, well, then what's the next answer? And the next answer is to try to reconcile America's relationship with the gun. But the diagnosis dysfunction that's coming from all the politicians that are bought on both sides in Washington. Right. And from the people like Governor Abbott, who would rather kick the can into a black man's hand than actually deal with what just happened on in his state, means that we do not have the wherewithal to properly address this problem. We don't. Like, and I talked to a guy who is a two-way advocate yesterday. I wanted to bring him on the podcast, but you guys rightfully said that our audience would probably be triggered by having that 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 voice on the podcast and very intelligent person all i got was platitudes mm-hmm. all i got was platitudes all i got was this is this is what the answers were the answers were if we do universal background checks that that eventually is going to lead to the end of guns if we do this that eventually is going to lead to the end of guns if we do this that eventually is going to lead to the end of guns So much of the argument against doing things to make children safe today had to do with the conjecture of what his motherfucking right to own a fucking bazooka would be five years from now. And let's just keep let's just keep it real with it. You don't care about the fucking kids. You don't care about them. You certainly don't care about the 10 black people who got their fucking a week ago. Mm hmm. So mm-hmm. the right is in a state of regulatory capture where the gun where where people like um uh where people like Hammer make the gun laws and have made the gun laws on behalf of lobbyists for a long, long time. And the left has got their tail tucked between their legs and doesn't want to go too hard because there might be some gun owners, gun owning southerners southerners that still vote Democrat. So we're in a situation to well, we're being asked as a society, I want people to think this, to accept dead kids, whether they be killed in a mass shooting or whether they be killed in, in South Baton Rouge, to accept dead children as a part of our existence. And I want people to ask themselves whether or not that's something that they're comfortable with. Yeah. And ask themselves like that in a real way. 
And 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 don't use the. Defla- it's so true. That guy that you were just talking about, his personal interest is more important than the lives of those children and the lives of those adults in Buffalo. Just like with the politicians, your position and your power means more to you than anything else, than these innocent lives. That's essentially what you're saying. And for the people who might deflect and say, oh, like Abbott said in his press conference, well, 18-year-olds have been able to get guns for 60 years in this state, but you weaken the gun laws to make it easier for him to get it and to carry them. That's the kind of stuff they're not saying. Or mental health, we need to do better with mental health. Then why did you slash $211 million from the department that oversees mental health programs in Texas? Why is Texas ranked the last out of all 50 states in regards to overall access to mental health care? And the telehealth program that you implemented in in response to Santa Fe, why is it that it's not even being used in Uvalde? Not even being used in that school district. So when they try to deflect, it's important that you call them out on the things that they're saying, oh, well, we need to do this, but you don't do them, actually. You don't do them. Vote Beto. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Herschel Walker has some Herschel Walker no, has some, some thoughts. I'm not doing Herschel. Donnie, play the sound. I'm not doing Herschel. Cain, Kia, Abel. You know, and uh, you know, and that's the problem that we have. And I said, what we need to do is look into how we can stop those things. You know, he talked about doing a disinformation. What about getting a department that can look at young men that's looking at uh, women that's looking at uh, just social media? What about doing that, looking into things like that, and we can stop that that way? But yeah, right, they want to just continue. Uh, so uh-uh. two things to take away. Number one, Cain killed Abel. And Herschel Walker, if elected against Raphael Warnock, is going to start the department of men who look at women who look at social media. Because that will address uh, rampage killings and gun violence in America. If you're in Georgia and you can hear my voice, please vote for Raphael Warnock. Um, Unserious. I mean, that's a funny clip, but... He already didn't he win a primary? Yeah, he won a primary. It's him and Warnock. Like, it, like it's un- unserious, unserious, unserious. First of un- all, he's not even going to remember that he said that. He's not even going to remember that he wanted to create that. And you were watching someone who's suffering from some type of of. Uh, I mean, like you posted CTE. His he's got mental health issues. It's like it's not even funny. And the fact that he actually beat somebody to get to where he is now to run against. Warnock is wild. What, Georgia, what? That's so embarrassing. That's embarrassing. Just to give you a rundown on the villains this here, Joe Manchin won't budge on the Senate filibuster. He uh, doesn't want to scrap the filibuster to pass a gun control bill. Um, argued on Tuesday evening that the filibuster was the only thing that presents, uh, prevents us from telling insanity. Uh, the filibuster is the only thing that's preventing you guys from doing anything at all. You guys are fucking dumb. The Senate GOP blocked a domestic terrorism bill 
gun policy debate. The GOP doesn't want to have this conversation. Uh, the Senate has gone is going on recess with very, very little chance of bipartisan path on gun control. That's not going to happen. There's no bipartisan here. Um, uh, so Irma Garcia, uh, Amory, Joe Garza, Eva Morales, Xavier Lopez, Josiah Garcia, Jesse Flores Jr., Lexi Rubio, Tess Marie Mata, Nivia Lessa Bravo, Annabelle Guadalupe Rodriguez, uh, Ellie Garcia, and Elijah Torres are dead. Um, they'll never be back here again. Their time on the earth has passed. Uh, their families and the people around them are left to pick up the pieces. And what we are what we are left to do is to argue to fill the time until the next one of these happens. And there are people out here with platforms. You're killing children. You're killing kids. There's a special place in hell for you. Like there's a special place in hell for you. You're killing children. The reality is this. Like if you. If I if Van was president, what would Van do? Two things. Number one, the first thing I would do is I would start a new department. Not the department of men who look at women who look at social media. I don't think that department has a very much future. I would start a department. <laughs> I think it's high time because of um, what we've been through just recently. Because of the growing discontent of Americans. It's, it's high time for a department of American wellness. I really do. I really do believe this. A department that's really just based around checking in on people, but that also has a budget to identify potential threats to American society at a young age. Federalization of that. The Department of American Wellness to make sure that there's enough money that we can identify people and I just throw them away that might be struggling, that might need a little help, and to make sure that we don't... um, we don't we, we we don't let anything fall between the cracks. Number two is I would federalize school security as much as we can. Okay, since we're not going to be able to agree on gun control, and there are going to be people who think that it's okay to America to have a tank or a grenade or a bazooka, all those things which are lawful, by the way. Um, a bazooka is lawful. Grenades are lawful. I hope you know that. I know a yeah, nigga no, who has a bazooka. Talked about we talked about it. It's lawful. Video. Okay. Why the fuck you would need a grenade? You know what? Let me before I before I get onto this, you know, all of you two A son of son of bitches, especially the black ones. I have a question for you. We talk about the the uh we talk about the fact that um you think that the Second Amendment is super important because it is a concrete freedom that is guaranteed by the Constitution. I understand what you're talking about. Number one. Inalien- there's no such thing as an inalienable right. Even the right of free speech, which a guy in my uh, position, um, in my profession, believes to be the most important right guaranteed by you I- in America, has limits on it. Yeah. The 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 framers that set up the Constitution didn't know that a carbine powered AR-15 would exist. They didn't know what one weapon you could take a half a platoon of Marines, go fuck up all the revolutionaries. They'd be looking crazy, think it was fucking witchcraft. It's a totally different world. Totally different world, right? All right, but fuck all that. Like, for 
the two-way people that are talking about the fact that you have to have your gun because you have to be able to fight back against a tyrannical state, especially to the black two-way advocates. Why don't y'all ever advocate for niggas to bang it out with the police then? Because what, we're, because what we see as black people, we see a tyrannical state all the time. Like all the time. We see niggas getting their heads bl- blown off for just their for, for movement. We see niggas getting their head blown off for the way that they talk. Philando Castile was a legal gun owner that was killed up there, right? Reaching for his shit, the NRA didn't say a motherfucking thing. Nobody fucking cared. You're liars. All of you, you're lying. And your lies are making sure that people get fucking killed. Your lies are costing children their lives. These are fourth graders. I don't understand how you can. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I'm going off the deep end. I'm going crazy. I don't understand how you could do it. I really don't. Like, I've been a fucking dirty nigga before. I've fucked up. I've lied. I've cheated. I've done all. There's always a moment where you catch yourself and you go, yo, Van, how fucked up are you? Like, seriously, even if it's not till after you've you've been caught for the thing that you're doing, till you've been caught with your hand in the cookie jar, till you've been you've cheated on your taxes. I didn't pay my you taxes. You would hope for, so. For what? I, I didn't pay my taxes for like seven years one time. Oh my God. I, that's, I'm telling you, I'm not I'm a happy perfect you're person. Still with us. I'm a fucked up person, but I'm like, I'm but I'm saying is there's a point to where you I'm, I'm talking You would to hope so. You would hope so. But you're talking to people who don't necessarily have that same moral compass that you do. You I don't have a moral people. compass. I'm all fucked up. What I'm saying is, no, you I'm have not a that moral compass. Up. If you can call out when you're fucked up and when you're wrong, you see it, right? These are people who don't see it. This is why you're so confused and frustrated and why you don't get it. These are people who are motivated by one thing totally selfish, personal interest, money. They don't see it that way. And they continue to deflect and cut co- and blame it on something else and come up with other reasons as to why this is a problem. When at the end of the day, you are the problem. You are the reason that this continues to happen. The lack thereof or whatever action towards keeping these or preventing gun control legislation, you are the problem. And that's like, you can't compare what you would do to what these people would do because they don't even recognize how wrong they are. Or if they do, they don't give a fuck. So what can we do? How can we have uh, 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 an intelligent conversation on this? You know what? Let's, let's, let's take a break real quick and let's get to somebody smart. His name is Igor Volsky. He runs Guns Down America. He, uh, someone who's dedicated his life to this. Let's get him on, uh, real quick. Um, on the other side of this break, and then we come out of it, we'll talk about this some more. Obviously, we are looking into the face of a Leviathan, and that a Leviathan is American gun violence. We're talking about it today here on the Higher Learning Podcast. Uh, but we, we have feelings more than we have facts. There's one guy who has a lot of facts, has dedicated himself um, to being a part of the answer to the question of how does America get over its gun violence obsession, its death and gun culture. His name is Igor Volsky, and he joins us today on Higher Learning. Now, you have started an organization that, or you're part of an organization that is dedicated to uh, talking about the 
gun violence that exists here in the United States. While before we get into specific questions about what happened earlier this week or what even happened last week or even what happened the week before, let's talk about what it is that you're doing and why you decide to do it. You know, I have to say I uh, came into this work uh, quite by accident uh, and very unintentionally. Um, you know, I'd spent my uh, entire career really working in progressive politics, mostly on Obamacare. And it wasn't until a shooting in 2015 uh, in San Bernardino, California, in December of that year, that I really found myself outraged. I think as outraged as so many Americans now all across the country, um, because you had yet another mass shooting. And I got back to my desk at the end of the day, and I saw all of these lawmakers uh, just tweeting their thoughts and prayers over and over and over again. And, you know, that's not surprising, right? They do that after every mass shooting. But what caught my eye uh, is that the very same lawmakers who are kind of most vociferous about letting people know that they really care were the same ones who voted against reforms uh, in the aftermath of the Newtown shooting, which was now almost 10 years ago, if we can believe it. Uh, and something inside me just broke. Uh, and I said, I cannot believe that these folks are trying to pull the wool over the eyes of their constituents and trying to trick them essentially into thinking they actually care about their lives when in reality they don't, because that's not the way they vote. And so I very methodically uh, quote tweeted every single one of those lawmakers for uh, hours uh, that evening um, and pointed out uh, that the reason they were thinking and praying and not actually doing anything at all was because they took a certain amount of money from the NRA. And I would go over and calculate how much money they took and I would tweet out those numbers um, and those tweets went really viral. They made national, international headlines. They pushed me into this work and they enabled me uh, to start an organization uh, called Guns Down America, where we uh, push lawmakers, uh, specifically now the Biden administration, to live up to their campaign promises and actually deliver on this issue, fight on this issue to keep us safe, to keep our communities safe. Um, but also to ensure that businesses and corporations play their role as well, because we, as we learned in the Buffalo shooting, American grocery stores are on the front line of this crisis. Uh, the shooting at Tops, I'll just note quickly, is one of over 450 shootings in or around grocery stores since January of 2020. They have a role to play here as well. Mm. I want to pick up off something that you said, because you mentioned promises that are made when these official, these uh, politicians are, you know, campaigning for office. And then you mentioned the Biden administration. And a lot of times, you know, it's easy, and I do it for sure, point towards Republicans. Uh, because we equate the Second Amendment with Republicans and, you know, their connection to the NRA. But we have a president who's a Democrat right now in office. What promises have been made by the Democrats, specifically the Biden administration or President Biden when he was running, that he's failed to deliver on in regards to gun control? 
Yeah, Rachel, I really appreciate you asking me this because over the last couple of days and really for the last year and a half since the beginning of the administration, I've been working so hard to push this administration, this president, to live up to his promises. Because when he was running back in 2019 and 2020, he told us that he was the only candidate in the race to defeat the NRA back in 1994, to pass the assault weapons ban, that his 30 plus years of experience in Washington, DC, meant that he could bring Democrats and Republicans together and accomplish big things, get big things done, that he had that experience. He had that know-how, which is why you should vote for him, he argued, rather than all of these other Democrats on the podium. He looked, Rachel, survivors in the eye, throughout that campaign and told them, I've lost my children. I know what you're going through. I feel it in my heart. I will fight for you. This issue will be a priority for me as president, for my administration. He said this time and time and time again, he gave us a plan, a vision on gun violence prevention that was so much more expansive, frankly, than anything we have seen in election cycles past. And we were excited, we were energized that finally we had a champion in the White House who wouldn't be afraid to spend real political capital to make progress on this issue. And he gets in. And not only does he fail to, to really fight in the way that he promised. But right now in the White House, there's not a single senior staffer, not one, whose sole job is to work on this issue. Not one. And it shocked me, it shook me, that when the president delivered those remarks in the aftermath of the Buffalo shooting on uh, Tuesday, that he didn't announce an appointment of like a gun czar or an office, a White House office of gun violence prevention, that these are tangible things he could do without 60 votes or 50 votes or whatever. And these are all choices. These are all choices he is making and his administration are making for whatever reason, for whatever reason they believe that when Americans are reminded yet again that they could get killed while buying groceries in America, that their children could die when they're sent to school in America, that the best thing for him to do, apparently, politically, is to simply walk away from the problem, to ask somebody else to take care of it. It's really, you know, quite shameful. <clears throat> Let's get into the nuts and bolts of this. Um. We've had more mass shootings in America this year than they are days in the year where uh, we are. It's we're dealing with something that is very, very destructive in American culture. I reached out to someone who I know who is a staunch two a advocate yesterday to have a conversation. The conversation was about why they feel like access to guns, certain types of guns, or easy access to firearms is not the issue in American gun culture. And specifically with school shootings, um, his answer to me was, it's security. Schools have to be more secure. Guns are not the answer. 
any gun control laws would lead to what he said, um, the banning of all guns, getting guns off the street totally, which he says is a non-starter for him. He doesn't think that easy access to destructive firearms is the problem with school shootings or American gun violence itself. Why is he wrong? Well, he's wrong because uh, every other country, a peer nation in the world, um, has the same kind of security structures and schools and in grocery stores and it, whatever public entity or, or place you want to name. Um, and yet we are the only ones, as you say, that have had more mass shootings than there are in a day of, of the year. Um, and the reason for that, despite what your friend believes, which is just entirely wrong. I mean, frankly, it's like arguing the, the, the earth is flat at this point. Because... I never said friend, by the way. Oh. Did I say, if I said friend. <laughs> <laughs> I said somebody I know. Is this like somebody on Twitter that you know? Is that it's what somebody that I interviewed before. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Um, the reason he's wrong is because, look, you look at all of the science uh, on this question, and it simply points you to the reality that where there are more guns, there are more gun deaths, by the way, of every kind, everyday retaliatory cyclical gun violence that plagues our cities, mass shootings like the ones uh, we're discussing that we suffered over the last couple of days, uh, police shootings, both you shooting police and police shooting at you, suicides, domestic violence, all of that is tied to the availability of firearms. Why? Because firearms are innately dangerous instruments, and they're dangerous in almost anybody's hands, right? Just take police shootings as an example, right? And so what other nations have figured out is that rather than putting uh, security officers everywhere or whatever your non-friend here is suggesting, that what you really have to do is three different things. A, you have to regulate the firearm industry, and that means stopping them from producing the kind of assault weapons that were used in these shootings that allow you to kill as many people as possible in a short period of time as possible. Two, it means increasing the standard of gun ownership that is making it harder for people to get a gun, not just a background check, but licensing and registration. By the way, those two ideas, very popular here in the United States. And three, and this deals with most of the uh, homicides we see, the everyday gun violence in communities, you have to invest in those communities directly. There are people on the ground doing the work, identifying the small number of individuals in a given community who are responsible for most of the gun violence in that community and providing those folks with uh, economic assistance, changing the norms um, in terms of how conflicts are dealt with. And those programs have been incredibly successful in reducing rates of homicides in cities. So we know what the solutions are, and it's a, it's 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 um, so distressful to hear that apparently, right, we can't even agree on the problem. Mm. So staying in that line of thinking for those who are advocates of um, the Second Amendment and don't believe that we should have more strict gun laws, what would you say for the people who try to say, well, this was just a person who was a monster. This was just someone who was evil. 
or they say they attribute it to mental health, which which it is a case is the case at times, but would say, oh, it's not the guns. It's other factors that are contributing to these mass shootings. Well, first of all, I'd argue uh, it's not a person acting alone. It's a person acting within a system that allows that person to easily access firearms and incredibly dangerous guns like the assault weapons we're discussing. It's a system powered by politicians who work very, very hard to prevent any kind of debate or conversation about the very reforms I mentioned that would help keep us safe. So it's never just one person. It's a person operating in an environment that's been created to allow this kind of death to happen. And the second thing I'll say is, you know, um, even though it's very rare, very rare statistics tell us for a person who has deep um, mental issues to carry out gun violence. In fact, in, those individuals are far more likely to be victims of gun violence than perpetrators. We here in the United States don't have a monopoly on mental illness. There's mental illness all across the world, yet we are the only ones who have this gun violence crisis. And it's because those guns are so easy to get. Hmm. Um, when, when you hear the term common sense gun control, common sense gun laws, what does that mean to you? I mean, it means to me laws that a majority of Americans agree on, right? This is expanding background checks. This is banning assault weapons. This is a licensing system. This is a registration system. This is ensuring that you lock your gun so your kid can't get it, right? There's like a whole host of reforms, almost all of them, all of these policies are universally popular, which again, just brings me back to my political point if they're so popular, and if there are so many more Americans who uh, support tightening our gun laws than loosening them, why can't this president, the Senate Majority Leader, galvanize that support um, uh, and at least fight for progress? That's the very definition of politics, right? Having an idea, bringing people, organized people along with you to make progress. They're failing at the basics, at the fundamentals with this issue. Well, I'd argue, and I just, I mean, I think the, the reason is because the lobby is so strong, right? The NRA, we're talking 5 million members and they can raise untold amounts of money. It's just one organization. How do you match the money that the 2A community is putting into it? Yeah, let me let me talk about this. This is this is um, I think really important to highlight. Uh, you know, and I get asked this a lot, right? Like, why, ha like Igor, you say ninety percent of Americans support all of these things, right? But why haven't we been able to make progress? Is the question you're asking. And I think you know there is undeniably to me, and and I think I've really come to this in in, in the last couple of years. And this is true historically with firearms in America, that firearms in America uh, have been used to subjugate first Native Americans, then African slaves, uh, then as we expanded uh, westward, right, and conquered more of the continent, um, and then throughout the civil rights era into the Jim Crow era, right, there's a whole history of firearms being used to keep people in bondage and servitude, to keep people in what was per perceived as their place and to maintain a certain power structure, right? A certain white power structure. Um, and it's hard to divorce the power of the gun issue 
from the role of race in our country, from the role of masculinity in our country, right? I think of it as almost as a braid, right? I think you need three hairs to make a braid, right? So one is the gun, one is the masculinity, and one is the racism. And they're all intertwined in one braid. And so for you to really truly get, get at the roots of solving this problem, you gotta dig into some real complicated issues. And a lot of that is reflected in those 5 million members, in the dollars that the lobby spends to buy lawmakers, in the fear that the conservative movement creates around stepping out of line, right, on this issue. All of those though are reflections of like deep rooted problems in American society. And I really think that guns are intertwined right in the middle of that. And that's the challenge, right? That's the great challenge of why this is so difficult. But it doesn't mean we shouldn't fight, but it's difficult. Yeah. Speaking of it being difficult and not fight, and, and we should that we should not not fight, how, how hopeful are you, Igor? that there's going to be some type of change. And I say that on the heels of the fact that today another bill was voted against in the Senate that was supposed to open discussion on gun safety and hate crimes. People voted right on the party lines. I mean, we have political leaders, and I use the term leader loosely, people with power, politicians are saying, you know, the thoughts and the prayers, and we need to not politicize this and we need to talk about love and we need to unite yet we cannot unite on something that could for prevention you know that seems to be what they're avoiding so how hopeful are you that the senators or congress will come together to actually reconsider their stance to get something done you know this is a hard question for me to answer um, because I think professionally, I have to be hopeful. Otherwise, why do I wake up every day and, and do this work? Um, but, uh, you know, I, I want to give you an honest answer. Um, and that is to say that over the last six months, seven months, um, and especially over these last couple of days, it's been really challenging to find that, that hope. And it's been challenging because the people you thought were your champions, like your elected officials, the people I thought, even in my own movement, who would understand that if you're not gonna push after 19 kids die, when are you gonna push? In my mind, so many of them have just left the battlefield and have moved to this place of, well, we're just gonna blame the NRA and we're gonna blame you know, the crazy things Ted Cruz says and that Republicans say, and you can find, you can do that. That's fine, you, I suppose you can do that. But that doesn't move us any closer towards any kind of progress. That doesn't break that cycle I talked about earlier. That doesn't create any kind of muscle memory of politicians actually fighting, trying to do something on this issue, right? In the same way, for instance, that Democrats fought around reproductive rights when the Roe decision was leaked, as they should have. I just expect the same thing on this issue as well. So not seeing that kind of um, action or, or even 
that kind of effort to push people in power, the so-called leaders, as you say, to act, um, that's been incredibly difficult to watch. Um, and frankly, the fact that I am one of the few voices who is speaking as honestly about this as I am and putting the burden of action, not on Mitch McConnell. I mean, we could all go to Mitch McConnell's office, set ourselves on fire and nothing will happen, right? Not on Mitch McConnell who will never move, but on, on people with, who are currently in power who can at the very least change the template for how we deal with this issue, raise the bar, change the standard, change the expectation that if a shooting happens, a president must do something. And they're not, they're choosing, they're choosing, they're choosing to just do the same old, same old. And it's, it, that's the difficulty for me to find hope. The fact that even with, um, the ability to do the most basic of things. They are choosing, choosing inaction. That's what's so painful about it. I'm a gun owner. Um, let me explain this to you. I grew up in, a, in the double whammy of gun ownership. Right? Number one, I'm from the South, Louisiana, Baton Rouge. Um, number two, I grew up in a dangerous place. So Southern man, one side of the family is from the country. I love you, mom, but this is true. My dad is from the country. Mom's going to hate that I say this, but the other side of the family is from the hood. I'm, I'm sorry, mom, <laughs> but one part of it. So you have guns on both sides. You have, uh, we're hunting, we're, we're, we're doing it for recreation. I was a rabbit killer, a deer killer, all of that stuff, right? Then on the other side of it, you have people who come up in South Baton Rouge, come in a, in a particular place. They don't feel safe because they're, the chance that somebody will come into their home is actually higher because of where they live. So for me, <clears throat> you know, I, to protect my house, I have a shotgun. A shotgun in my closet, locked up, whatever. I, I have a shotgun. Am I safer because I have a shotgun in my home? If you look at all of the research, the answer is absolutely not, right? The the, the research would tell us, let's put this in a couple of ways, right? Because it's like, you feel unsafe, you have a gun, and me coming in here, well, let me tell you about what the research papers write is like a silly thing to say, right? But just to, just to answer it broadly, and I'll get into a little more detail. It's to say that we know that having a gun in your home triples your risk of suicide that you would use that gun against yourself that's so wild that's crazy Doubles. and because and, 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 i literally write about in the book not to cut you off but about the fact that i actually got so depressed to where my my therapist asked me to give all of my uh my ammunition to my friend nick and i looked right at that like when the first time i felt like i couldn't go any longer i looked at the shotgun that's so nuts. Okay, I'm sorry. Didn't mean to. No, and it's and it's no, but it's it's the reason why suicide rates are highest in rural America, white rural America, where also gun ownership is highest for that very reason. Um, suicides triple, homicides double. Uh, the percentage of uh, that you would use that gun that you have 
to like chase away some kind of criminal knocking on your door is like 0.001, you have a better chance of survival if you run away from a confrontation than if you use your gun. I mean, the numbers are wild, right? The research on this is wild. So, but look, but it is true exactly what you say. You're not the first person to, to tell me, look, I live in an unsafe area. I want to have a gun. I feel safer. It gives me peace of mind, emotional peace of mind to have a gun. I understand that. I'm not here to discourage anybody to have a gun. I just want people to understand that when they're bringing a gun into their home, they're bringing something that's innately dangerous and that could end up killing them right? Because most suicides are instantaneous decisions. They're not planned weeks ahead. And then it's over. And then communities, families suffer for, you know, for, for the rest of the time. So, so I want people to be informed. And I also want people to meet a higher level of, 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 of ownership, right? Get the training, get a license, learn how to store that gun, do it safely. But at the same time, really, really think, if a gun is the right decision for you, because I bet part of the reason why you feel unsafe is I'm assuming there's people around you who also have guns, right? So now you're adding another gun to the, the danger that is people having guns. And I don't know the perfect solution, right? I'm not suggesting that the solution is to, to, to simply, you know, um, uh, to, to simply, uh, you know, ignore the threat um, but I would just want folks to really know the, the danger because we just the reality, the fact is in the same way that the earth is round, the fact is that having a gun is just incredibly dangerous. Wow. I did not know any of that. Um, what, what do you think about the California bill that just passed from the California Senate that mimics the Texas bill or, um, not bill, but the Texas law in regards to abortion. Is that a step in the right direction? You know, I, I don't know that um, mimicking that kind of model uh, that we criticize on one issue and seem to embrace on the other um, is, is exactly uh, the pathway we want to be following. But what I do like to see and what I appreciate about California is that, you know, they've really led the way. Uh, in uh, tightening state gun laws, um, in showing voters and Americans that, hey, government can actually keep you safer because we know in states with uh, stricter, tougher gun laws, you have far less instances of gun violence, um, right? There's a direct correlation and causation there. Um, and so I uh, appreciate the effort, the creativity. I firmly believe uh, that a lot of this progress that we're talking about is going to be led by the states because clearly, you know, the federal government um, is, is broken. Um, and I, you know, I really hope uh, in the way that Florida actually did after Parkland with a Republican governor. Um, that states really look at this tragedy, really look at the fact that the federal government is not protecting them um, and think about what they can do to, to toughen state laws. Hmm. Uh, I give you a magic wand. You get to do one thing to make the U.S. safer in terms of gun violence. What would that one thing be? 
You know, uh, I would, um, if I would look, um, let me think what I would do. I mean, is it one thing? I only get one. I only can't get like, one thing, Igor. I can't squeeze it's it. A, into, it's a, it's an Amory See, situation. My last question would have given you more leeway, Igor. I'm just going to say it's, a, it's an Amory situation. You get one thing. You. Okay. <laughs> you know, let me, let, me, let me just talk it through, and then maybe I'll pick one. You know, my, my initial gut says that we know that gun violence follows poverty, right? Where there are higher rates of poverty, there are higher rates of gun violence. This is not surprising to anybody, right? So I would want to really focus on investing in communities because we know investing in communities dramatically, giving people economic opportunity, jobs, um, uh, dramatically reduces gun violence and gun homicides. And so part of me is very concerned about the communities that are closest to the pain of everyday gun violence, of breaking that cycle, right? So part of me thinks that that's the answer. Um, but another part of me really thinks about the, um, the, the, the impact of these kinds of mass shootings on the entire country, right? The fear that it creates that at any moment doing the most mundane thing um, that I would uh, just, you know, walking down the street here in DC or, or going to the grocery store across the street um, that I and 20 other people could die in a matter of minutes, right? So maybe I would go after the assault weapons, right? And the challenge is like, okay, you can stop new production, but then what do you do with all the millions and millions and millions and millions out in circulation? You probably have to register, their, register them and license them like we did with machine guns and it works pretty well. So there's kind of a solution there. So I'm between those two, but I'm curious, but let me turn it on to you because I'm curious from each of you, which would you pick? Would you do, go, go kind of the poverty root cause or would you try to, you know, get rid of the weapons of war if you had that magic wand? Mm. Mm. I guess this. <laughs> uh, so look, for me, um, it all starts uh, in community like you're talking about because when I think of gun violence, you know, uh, Governor Abbott talked about the fact that, um, you know, there's so much gun violence that happens in Chicago. He left out the fact that the gun laws in Chicago don't necessarily correlate to that violence because 60 percent of those crime guns are bought from neighboring states that have laxer gun uh, gun issues. But the, the problem is with there is that you have different places to where um, the poverty, the proximity, all of those things lead people to making decisions that are at cross purposes with them living long, productive lives. So I would definitely start. Uh, that's definitely what I would do. You know, because I think about the gun violence that happens every single day uh, as something that really needs to be addressed. As far as the um, the 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 AR-15 high cap situation, you know, uh, I've been around people who own AR-15s. My father owned an AR-15. Uh, the reality is that's a civilian brand of a military weapon. I just don't. I, I mean, I been around guns my whole life i just don't get it and so i had yeah yeah so so for me uh i'd start with the everyday gun violence and the gun violence that to be quite selfish with you plagues my community the most that was gonna be my reason too right so i'm sorry go ahead a selfish reason no no 100 you just literally took the answer it was a selfish thing It, it affects our community and that's why I would start with that and would hope that it would, you know, trickle down in other ways. The last question I was going to ask you, and if it if it 
if your last answer answers this, because it was it was kind of similar to what Van was going to say, then we can just move along. But if you had the power, what would gun control legislation look like in this country for you? Like what? Yeah, I'll just leave it there. And if that, if you already answered that, then we can move on. Well, I'll say, you know, in the 2020 primary, and I think she's introduced this repeatedly, Elizabeth Warren, uh, the senator from Massachusetts, had a real comprehensive approach that really talked about, you know, those three buckets or three legs of a stool that I discussed, right? You regulate the industry, you raise the standard for gun ownership, and you invest in communities. And it did it incredibly holistically. And it was kind of like the Green New Deal for, for, for gun violence prevention. And so if I had to like piece, pick one piece of legislation that I could magic wand through the Congress, it would be that, because I think it deals both with the root causes to some degree. It deals with the, with the firepower. Um, and it ensures that, you know, the industry stops making a profit. And by the way, it does uh, every time there's this kind of tragedy. Hmm. Igor, we appreciate you, my man. This was so fun. Thank you, guys. Yeah, keep working. Uh, but make sure you take care of yourself, bro. Take breaks. Make sure you relax. Make sure you don't take too much on, man. It's a lot going on out there. Uh, thank you so much. Tell them where they can find more about your organization. Yes, please. Gunsdownamerica.org is the website. Guns Down Movement, the Guns Down America on Twitter, but I'm also uh, at Igor Volsky, I-G-O-R-V-O-L-S-K-Y on Twitter as well. Igor Volsky, thank you for joining us today on Higher Learning. What did we learn, Rachel? I got to tell you, one of the most shocking things I learned is that the statistics of having a gun in your home, the fact of what you're more prone to do, and the fact that most people don't need it to protect themselves from a danger on the outside. The danger is really coming from within. That is wild to me. I had no idea that was a statistic. Guess what I learned? I'm, I'm afraid out. to ask. I'm out. I'm done. Yeah, I knew you were going to go there. I'm done. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take my fat, happy, black ass Monday morning. I'm going to go sell that gun. And I'm gonna oh, go wait, sell you're all out. The... I thought you meant out of like I'm out. the country. No, Not... I'm out. No. Are you serious? I'm going to take my big, fat, 12 sandwich eating ass. And I'm going I'm to get my ass up Monday morning. And I'm going to sell that gun. I'm going to get rid of it. You can, if you want, yeah, like, 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 I, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sell that gun. I'm gonna get rid of the gun. I'm gonna get rid of it. Wow. Um, uh, I don't want to be a part of a culture anymore. I would like to be a part of changing one. And I understand. Look, my father's dead. I loved him from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. He was such an amazing man, beautiful man. And he loved nothing more than to shoot a gun. And I don't judge him. I don't judge anyone who feels that way. But I can't be a part of the crew anymore. Mm. I can't be big, a part of it. That's a bold move. I bold my ass. I've like is 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 I 
I, I just can't be a part of it anymore. Can't I mean, bold a- in the sense that I we have talked about guns before on this yeah. podcast multiple times, and you are always say you are a proud gun owner. Yeah. So that's, I guess, what I'm saying is like, wow, that's not the move that I expected you to make, but I, I understand it. Can't be proud of it. You can't be proud of it. Break into my house, I'm going to gum you to death. I don't know what to say. Like I don't I, I don't know. I, I don't want uh during the times of my highest depression, I looked at I, Igor talked about this. I looked at the shotgun and I thought it would be pretty easy. I actually thought about how I would blow my head off. I thought about uh you know whether or not I would be able to reach the trigger, what the sound would be like, what Kalika would hear, all of that. I told my therapist that, and she was like, do me a favor, take all the ammunition, bring it to Nick's house. Shout out to Nick May. You helped save my life. And the reality of the situation is maybe I am one of these mentally unstable wackos and cuckoos that is not responsible enough to to have something like that. Maybe I am. Or maybe I'm just sick of our culture of excuses and platitudes. I don't know what to do. My Department of Wellness thing is probably a stupid idea. Like uh, my federal, no, the federalization of, of of is probably. I don't know what to. Do. I don't know. I don't know. These niggas supposed to know. Every well, fucking time these niggas tell us that they supposed to know something, they don't know a motherfucking thing. All no, they, they don't. They, they just know how to blame other people and point the finger. That's 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 it. We also have to talk about something else. Is that the police continue to be useless? The police down there in Uvalde, according to some parents, took their sweet ass time going in there to get this guy. I'm not going to say that I'm sitting here as a proponent for the police, but is that like a, a verified? I feel like I've heard multiple things. I've heard multiple things. Which is why I don't know if I want to necessarily get into this. The only thing I should have been hearing was that cops was breaking down the fucking door to school to get in. How about that? Sure. There should be no fucking. I don't know. Look, man, we're talking about reports. Everybody can be out there seeing. We don't know whether or not there was a school officer in front of the place. I can tell you one thing NRA, good guy with a gun, people. There was a guy in Buffalo. He got his ass shot off before he went there and. And killed up a bunch of black people. There was a guy outside in front of the Parkland shooting. They fucked over him. Maybe the fact of the matter is that the cop is outgunned if the motherfucker that he's up against has an AR-15. Yep. So the reality of the situation is, and I've had AR-15s. I've used the AR-15. I'm not trying to, I know... No, what? Nah, fuck all y'all. Fuck it. Fuck, fuck it. You don't need the gun. Fuck the AR-15. Fuck it. Why am I? Why am I? This is the reason why it happens. Why are we acting like it's there's any? Why are we acting like there's a point? You don't need it. You don't need it. Like you, That's you, it. you don't need That's it. it. You know what? Go buy a fucking. You know what will really protect your home? A fucking jet that you can drop bombs from. Fucking weapons grade plutonium. Sarin. You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. So you don't need it. You don't don't, need it. So the reality is, the answer is not one exit to a school, one door. The answer is not strapping up teachers 
could be having vests. Could be part of the answer. The teachers will. No. The, the, the hold on. The teachers definitely are not the answer. They they talked to not, a, they talked to a guy named Ken Trump. I think it was his name on um on on NBC, and he was like, a teacher shouldn't have to worry about that. And this guy is a school security expert. A teacher shouldn't have to worry about that. That's not what. You, that's not the situation that you want teachers in. Teachers have to be able to identify all kinds of things about students, and then on top of that, I agree. Ask them, yeah, a teacher. A I teacher agree. Not even have that training to even talk well, down. That's what I'm or, saying. Or 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 meet. A, we should a be asking student. our teachers to do that. That's that that. But that's something that's been put on the table. We shouldn't be asking our teachers to do that. One exit sounds like person gets through. You're trapped in that school. I don't like that. Like the answer is. Not to have the guns. That's the only answer. So that uh, do you know what I think? I think there are a couple of different answers. There, but but uh, but the gun is a part of it, and I don't understand why the gun is the biggest part. So do I want to see better security? Yeah, but you know what? Why do I keep fucking cutting you? I'm a terrible. No, I'm no, no. So you're fine. Up. You're passionate. You're upset. I'm not. I'm not mad about it. Like speak it. I'm not. I'm not here to be like, let me get my, 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 my point across. Speak what you feel. But I think you made the excellent point of how is a, a, a security officer, a police officer going to go against an assault weapon? That's an excellent point. So, so we're supposed to equip them with AR-15s too? We should have a shootout at the school? It's a... Uh... So if we take this serious, there would be a multi-pronged approach to it. Number one, you would it would involve a little bit of hardening of the targets. I think you have to do that at this point. The, the, here's the problem with that, though. Everything's a target, Rachel. Let's say we're talking about school shootings, right? Then we're talking about specific issues of school shootings, which deal with parents which deal with, uh, excuse me, which deal with teachers. This was fucking assembly day. So there were parents going in and out of this school. You know what I mean? So expecting a, 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 a group of parents and teachers to be as that vigilant, it's just not, there's a human element to it, okay? So let's say we harden the school targets. What other targets have to be hardened? Do you want one way in and one way out of a supermarket? Because... Tops in Buffalo got shot up. Do you want one way in and one way out of a movie theater? Because Aurora got shot up. Do you want one way in and one way out of a concert or festival? Because they shot up a concert and festival in Vegas. Do you want, how do you harden a nightclub? Because Pulse got shot up. Like, how do you harden a mall? They shot up a mall. And the good guy with the gun up there, the cops shot him. So this amount of ineptitude and this amount of bullshitting over, look, man, this amount of, this is nuts. The reality is there needs to be an approach. There needs to be a conversation where everyone comes to it and the number one thing on their minds is not how do I go get the right? Is not how do I go get, um, how do I keep the left from keeping my guns? The number one concern in the conversation is how do we keep children safe? That has to be the number one concern. 
We're not even talking about the fact that some of our Asian brothers and sisters are, are, had a church running to here in Orange County where I'm at, and they got shot up. So the question is, how do we keep kids safe? How do we keep them safe in school? How do we keep old black folks safe in 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 a church in Charleston and then at a buff at a at a grocery store in Buffalo? How do we keep our LGBTQ brothers and sisters safe when they're partying their polls? How do we keep fucking country music fans safe from bump stop weapons in Vegas? Just people. Listen, CDC recently released data that said that firearms are now the leading cause of death for American children. Like people let that sink in the leading cause more than five deaths per a hundred thousand Americans between the ages of one and 19 were due to guns in 2020. Bruce Feldman. Who's a pro gun activist called the NRA a political cult. Cult. We're not dealing with with people anymore. We're dealing with religion. There are more licensed gun stores in America than McDonald's. There are more places to get a Glock 40 than it is to get a quarter pounder with cheese. I'm fucking eating tonight. I don't give a fuck. Fuck the diet. I'm eating. I'm going to have a slice of pizza. I can't fucking deal with it. I'm never going to lose weight. Like, I, it, 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 I'm stressed the fuck out. I can't believe that, like, I, I just can't believe that we, have to, that we have to have this fucking debate about the lives of kids. I want to punch somebody in their shit. An American is seven times more likely to die by gun violence than a Canadian. Seven times. They look pretty free in Canada. I've been up to Canada. It was a bunch of motherfuckers cold and smiling. It's like what we say about everything. They're not going to care unless it directly impacts them. 212 mass shootings this this, this year. It doesn't mean anything to them. It doesn't mean anything. It's not a reality. It's not a reality to them. They're pretending. They're not sad. They're sad because this impacts their agenda. They're sad because those Texas politicians are not going to be able to happily go to the NRA convention in Houston this weekend. Like now there's a cloud over it. They're sad because it just affects their own interests. They they are not sad. They are not. And if you have any question about that, look at what they're not doing in regards to protecting those children and other people who live in this country. Period. I'm done. What's next? This is what we're going to do. We're going to be down next week because we got Memorial Day. And we need the time off. I got to be honest with you. But on this issue, on the next podcast, I'm going to come up with the 10 biggest villains. And every single issue like this in America, I'm going to start. We're going to come together here at Higher Learning. We're going to start coming up with the 10 biggest villains. We need to know who the people are. A lot of the people who are making money off this lobby, who are who are making this problem intractable, they're living in anonymity. The problem is the people that get killed and the shooters are more famous 
than the people that are allowing the people to shoot and get killed. So the reality is we're going to know and we're not going to talk about the uh the uh the 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 Mitch McConnells of the world. We know that they're feckless political fucking bitches. No, no, no. That's a heteronormative terrible whatever. They're feckless wusses. All right. We're not talking about them. We're talking about the people whose pockets they are lining. And when we identify these people, we got to get on their asses. Yeah. We got to get on their motherfucking asses. I like it. Let's do asses. it. Let's do it. Top 10 villains. Let's Top go. Villains. All right. Now we got to talk about another villain. We got to talk about Colin Kaepernick, man. He's not the villain. I thought we were doing this whole top podcast on gun violence. You really want to do Kaepernick? We have to do Kaepernick real quick. Why we do we want have to, to do here. Kaepernick? Because it's it's because it, because you know what? Let's save Kaepernick then. Let's save it. I, I I'm 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 asking a genuine question. I'm not hating. I'm just like, why do we have to do Kaepernick or Stephen A. Smith or whatever? I feel like it doesn't flow with the podcast. Like this whole podcast has been about this, and we're like, oh, okay, well, let's talk about Cap. Leave and the this fact in. that Stephen A. Smith. I mean, was it that leave, bad of a point? Leave Leave this in. The reality is. My anti-Stephen A. Smith agenda will continue. But you're but guess but you know what, Rachel? You're right. The question is, now that I am, and I'm sure you are, and I'm sure first of all, hold on for a second. Trudy, how are you? Well, how about let's do this? How are you, Trudy? I woke up whatever day, what was that Wednesday morning? I was up at 5 a.m looking at that Twitter thread and I was undone because my nephew is 10 and he's in fourth grade. And mm, mm, mm. I think I just think about fourth grade when I think about elementary school, fourth grade is, is the grade. Um, so I just, I just, this is really crazy. So that's my answer. Donnie. I'm okay. Um, it's been a weird month. I think I've been thinking about life a lot um it's like you know mother's day and then mm. blue passing away and then this tragedy uh i've just my thought has been on uh like living in the moment and mm. appreciating those around me a lot and um just not taking anything in any moment for granted because life is already short but it seems like um with the circumstances as they are, that it's it's shorter than it has to be, um, mm -hmm. which is is frustrating. It is frustrating. I'm wondering if anybody is suffering from extreme anxiety. I'm tell y'all, I went to I went to a Starbucks this morning, and at first I was cool, and I looked at somebody, and they had like nervous energy. Right, just like moving weird in a weird way, seemed to be anxious, and I got paranoid. And then, and I've said this before, and I think I said this in the last podcast, I, I don't go into a place without like identifying escape, like ways to escape. Then I started looking at everybody funny. And then I had to, I walked out of the Starbucks because I was so overcome with anxiety, I felt like something was gonna happen. And all I just wanted to go in there was get my, you know, triple grande cinnamon dolce latte with caramel drizzle. And I couldn't even focus. Yes, that's my order. I couldn't, no whip. And I couldn't even focus. And then like, I gathered myself together and I went back in. But I'm curious for you guys, like it took something that 
is like a simple joy to me to, to be able to get a coffee in the morning. And I like to observe people and just like see people as they're getting ready for their day. And like some people are studying, some people are on their phones, people are talking. I don't know. It's just like those little things. And it was all stripped away from me this morning because I was so anxious that this is a crowded Starbucks. Somebody could come in here and just wreak havoc. And it ruined, it set the tone for my entire day. Hmm. So... I was having dinner with a friend of mine one time. We were at like a Roscoe's having dinner. And this guy was a gang member. And he goes, man, if it goes down right now, how are we going to get out of here? And I thought about it. You know, those are the things. And my dad used to say, sit with your back to the door, with your back to You can see the entrance. You see the exit and all of that. And there's so many things that I've had to legislate just to feel comfortable in a situation. Like when I go to movie theaters, I will never sit in the middle. I sit on the aisle. Somebody walks in. I want to be able to get up, get her up, get the fuck out of there. You know, um, and that really doesn't have anything to do with mass shootings. That has to do with being in a movie theater before when niggas got to shooting. That has to do with being in a party before when niggas got to shooting. That has to do with being in a club when niggas got to shooting. That has to do with being in a fucking mall when niggas got to shooting. That has to do with being at a football game when niggas got to shooting. That has to do with being at a fucking street race when niggas got to shooting. That has to do with being on spring break when niggas got to shooting. That has to do with being a whole bunch of fucking places where niggas got to shooting. That has to do with being at a fucking family event where niggas got to shooting. A whole bunch of different places where niggas got to shooting has to do with getting a call one time and someone saying, hey, Van, Jason got shot. He almost got away. They found the car running. He was shot in his back. He was a couple blocks from Earl K. Long. He might have made it. Has to do with George Temple, a friend of mine who got into an altercation with a police officer, was executed in the the parking lot of an auto zone. Has to do with Delvin Lee, who was killed in a Texaco. Has to do with Tedford, whose body was just found. Don't really know what happened, but it was shot with a gun. Has to do with all of these people. And the ones I can't even remember now. That just got killed, just shot up. Has to do with the uncles. That show you they bullet wounds. They survived. So, yeah, I'm hypervigilant. Part of the reason why I'm such a nice guy. I need to know if you're a threat. So I say hello to you. And I look at you in your eyes. Part of me doing that is me kind of asking you not to kill me. And I need to know if you need, if you mean harm to me so I can fuck you up right then. And it's just, I'm tired, man. I fucking lost my dad, man. I'm just like, I'm just, I'm just like, I'm just like tired, man. All right, we gotta get out of here. Um, take the caps off, but do not stop learning. I'm Van Lathan Jr. I'm Rachel and Lindsay. We out.